The big question people are having today is what's going to happen? Like what is going to happen after COVID-19? What's going to happen when doors open back up? What do I need to be doing right now in the midst of planning, strategizing, researching? Do I hunker down or do I get aggressive? On today's episode, we bring on a building products and home construction expert who shares with us what they're seeing from an economic standpoint, what's happening in industry, and how you can take the data and pivot and improve your message, your marketing, your approach across the board. It's an awesome episode, but before we get to it, I want to remind you about a webinar that we have coming up this week on Thursday at 2 p.m. If you want to sign up, it's specifically focused on how you can sell virtually. How do you help your team sell in the midst of COVID when they're stuck at home? They can't be out on the job site. There's some really great nuggets of information as well as tactics from a sales standpoint. Go to venvio.com slash webinar to sign up. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast. Helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, and we've got a great show lined up for you. You know, earlier this year, we brought on a guest, Todd Tomalak from John Burns Real Estate Consulting on the show with us, who shared with us economic indicators, what he thought was going to happen. And this was all before COVID-19. And so since then, this whole thing has gotten turned upside down on its head. There's a lot of changes that we see that are happening. And so we wanted to bring on John Burns himself from John Burns Real Estate Consulting to share with us what they see that's happening in the building construction space. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Zach. So Todd gets to talk during the good times and I get to talk during the bad times. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. You and I, uh, we've been emailing back and forth for a little while, especially when all of this, you know, quarantining started happening. But before we dive into questions about what you're seeing in the housing industry, for our listeners out there, why don't you just share a little bit about your business and what you do specifically within building products in the in the building construction industry? Yeah. So I started the business 19 years ago because I was working in all aspects of real estate and I saw the commercial real estate industry was pretty sophisticated in terms of monitoring trends and monitoring housing cycles and residential wasn't. So I started this in 2001, essentially to be the outsourced department for companies to figure out what's going on in the, in the housing market for them. And it's it's grown to a pretty good-sized business where we got a couple hundred subscribers to our research, and we do about 600 consulting studies, uh, customized consulting studies too. And I cut my teeth really with the home building side, but now we're we're all over the place. And building products is about um, 17% of our business at this point. And just for my reference, you do both new construction research and data as well as remodeling. Is that correct? Yeah. Todd's really taken the remodeling to a new level in the last five years. We really started more with the new, Okay, but now we have both. So I think the question on everyone's mind right now is frankly, like what in the world is going to happen? Which I'll preface this question by saying, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen because we don't have the light at the end of the tunnel. But that's what I want to pick your brain on because it feels like almost every single day we've got new data out there in terms of what's happening in the economy and the industry. For our listeners, maybe you can just Share with us a little about the narrative and story you've seen as things have taken place, John, and then we can dive into where you think things are headed. Yeah, well, I'm fortunate. I've got a large team of people that already collect a lot of data and are very creative. And I'm finding the narrative in the newspaper is probably lagging by a week or two, and in our industry is lagging by even more than that. And I'm not even forecasting when I'm telling you some of these things. I mean, so, so like March data, they reported 700,000 job losses. Well, 10 million people filed unemployment in the last two weeks of March, and that's not included in the data. 
And that was as of March 28th, which there's this thing called payroll on March 31st, which that's not even in the data yet. So people are, um, you know, running their business with even if you think two, three week old data is not that bad, but it's pretty significant. And I got to believe there's a lot of people that didn't make payroll. In fact, we've got some Google trends showing this going to be an even bigger number, sad to say, this week. So we're the ones trying to figure all this out for our clients. You and I were talking a little bit earlier, too. There's this timeline confusion going on about the health crisis, which is the paramount most important thing. But all of a sudden, the economy will recover pretty quickly after that, or the housing market will recover pretty quickly after that. I don't think I'm even forecasting by saying that's a foreground conclusion at this point. When you when you tell 10 million people you don't have a paycheck anymore, you know, I don't know how they could possibly have a paycheck because most of these companies have a lot of debt that has to be restructured to get restarted. That's the stuff nobody's talking about. But there, there's some fascinating things going on in the housing market too, because everybody's sitting in their house, either loving or hating their house. And, and I know the focus right now, probably in America, is on my house, which is really fascinating. It's very true. Yeah, at least from our perspective at Venvio, we're looking at demand and intent indicators from a digital standpoint. And I was sharing with you, John, like I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's like almost every single category is seeing massive spikes in demand and research. Now, closing the loop and making the sale, it depends upon the category. Sure. But from your perspective, you're looking at new home starts and things like that. What is your pulse on it? Because at the beginning of the year when we are talking with Todd, it was like all the indicators said this is going to be a great year. There's still a lot of demand. There's still a lot of need for housing. What is your pulse on it? And I love to ask you that question through the lens of you know, your own personal gut versus just the data because the data is, as you, as you mentioned, a little bit lagging. What does your gut tell you right now today? you think things are going to happen? My gut actually is supported by a lot of data because we just finished surveying 350 home builders that sell about 20% of the country. The first 10 weeks of the year were phenomenal. The last two weeks of March were not disastrous, actually. I mean, guys were are really creative and entrepreneurial, even if they had to sell by appointment or they got a lot of sales done. They got a lot of people who had been in their sales offices, who lived in apartments, who wanted the hell out of an apartment as soon as possible into, or not quite yet, but getting ready to close them so they can move into the detached home they wanted in the, in the first place. So they've actually done pretty darn well. California and Washington are the leaders in having shut down. So you can see what has happened there. The sales there have gone pretty darn close, not to zero, but they've gone down substantially. So we're forecasting that's going to be rolling out around the rest of the country. And we're seeing some resilience in the various geographies too, that are just very different. Like I used the hurricane in Houston a few years ago, which was just devastating. The Texans got back to work. <laughs> I mean, there are certain cultures where people are hunkered down and, and really scared. And there are other cultures that are just, and I'm not saying one's good or bad, but there are other cultures like, you know, we're going to build through this. And the building industry tends to be more of the latter we're going to get this done. We're going to be smart. We're not going to put our employees at risk. We're going to slow down construction with fewer subs in the house. But those people need paychecks. We need the homes built. As long as they're not putting their health in danger, we're going to plow forward. And and we're seeing quite a bit of that. From the perspective of where you think the market is headed, if you look at housing new starts, I know a lot of this depends upon when America, quote unquote, opens back up for business. But where do you see things changing? Like if we were headed in one direction, heading into 2020, how do you think that COVID-19 changes the trajectory of new home builds, 
even multifamily across the board. Where do you see things changing? Well, I hate to say this, but this is going to be really, really bad for multifamily construction. So you, you got to look at what position we were in heading into this. We were at a 33-year high on multifamily construction heading into this. And the federal government just told everybody to stop paying their rent. So not only do a lot of people get laid off, but I know a lot of people who didn't get laid off who are just concerned about getting laid off or using that as an excuse not to pay their rent. I did a webinar three days ago for the National Rental Housing Council, and that's the big single family rental guys. They said by the fifth of the month, they should know how many people are going to default. So it's now the seventh. So hopefully we know. But just envision this scenario. All these rental homes and apartment owners are going to be choking with a lack of income. Most of them have a lot of debt on these properties. They're thin thin profit margin apartments. A lot of their tenants did lose their jobs and are going to move out. And then we're going to finish a 33-year high of apartments and put empty apartments on the market. You tell me what's going to happen to apartment construction. (laughs) It's, It's not going to be pretty. Well, I even think about the psychological side of things. Can you imagine being in an apartment right now in New York City? Like, no, no, I I would be going crazy. Like, thank God I have a yard. Like I can go outside my yard, but like, do you know how many people I'm just thinking about the whiplash who say, gosh, once I get through this, I've been stuck in my apartment. I need to move out, get into a single family, or I need some sort of space that's my own. Like I'm almost thinking, I'm thinking from a psychological standpoint of the longer this thing goes on, the more the whiplash that there's going to be from multifamily to single family. Yeah. And I actually think that played out in the first two weeks. So we started these pulse surveys right away. And you could even look at it on on Google searches. People were getting out of apartments and renting single family homes just to get out of the apartment complex with so so many people. I mean, that happened right away. Mm -hmm. I I still think they'll go back to apartment living eventually, but it's not going to be good. On the single family construction side, the important thing to know there is the builder's capital structure. So, and that's not discussed too, but the big builders, the public builders, and a few of the largest private builders have structured their debt with bonds that aren't due for a very long time. So they've got no lender breathing down their back. I mean, they may not like what's going on, but they can make decisions right now to keep the volume going, whether it's cutting price or whatever it is. And you know they're going to be here in 2021 and 2022 and 2023 because their debt doesn't mature until after that. The private builder generally has a construction loan on every single project where every single time he sells a house, he has to cut a check to the lender. That's a much different situation. So Regardless of what happens, I think you can, with 100% confidence, the big builders are going to continue to take market share here just because of the way they're capitalized and can get through this. They're just going to continue to be aggressive. They're just going to go after it. Is that that what you're saying? They're able to be. Yeah, Yeah. they can. I mean, they're literally one can and one cannot. (laughs) It reminds me of 2008. I was listening to something about Warren Buffett in 2008. And he was saying like right before the big recession hit in 2007, 2008, Warren Buffett was recommending to everybody, oh, buy stocks, buy stocks. Then it crashed. Nobody had money. He had capital and he just gobbled everything up. And look what happened again. This whole COVID-19 scenario happened. He's been telling people to buy stocks and now he's sitting on something like $120 billion. And what do you think it's going to do? The people that have capital are the ones that continue to acquire and continue to be aggressive. Yeah. And that's the other message here that has not been reported enough is in our, we have this report called a U.S. housing analysis and forecast where we put out every month and 20 page in it is risks. And the biggest risk we see, and we've seen the whole time is debt. 
Government debts at every single level are at the highest level ever. Consumer debt, other than mortgages, is at the highest level ever. The junk bond market is the lowest rated debt. That's debt to public companies ever. And that's the issue. If, if this had happened to us in 2015, it would be much less severe on the economy than it is today because so many entities have borrowed so much money and, and got themselves levered up to their eyeballs that's the problem. And that's what the government's trying to do to step in and solve this problem with more debt. <laughs> and I, I think that's going to be the most interesting. We suspended our forecasts about six weeks ago, just to get some more clarity on what's going on. But that's going to be the most interesting thing to me is to see how much that helps and what the second level effects of some of that are going to be. You know, one thing we've been talking a lot about on the podcast, John, is that when there's great uncertainty, there's always great opportunity. Right. You mentioned a minute ago that the big builders are just going to continue to be aggressive. What opportunities do you see for anybody in the building construction space? Like, where do people need to be pivoting to seize opportunity today, like in the midst of COVID? And then once things open back up, which I know we don't know when that's going to happen, but I'm always trying to figure out where's the opportunity today that people need to be capitalizing on. So some of our clients are already doing this and we're trying to convince more of them to is to really focus on the supply chain. So when we come out of this, there's going to be some supplies that are just completely not available at all from certain manufacturers and some that aren't. You may, you may need to respec your house. You may need to do completely different countertops and completely different cabinets just because they're going to be available. That's something you can start figuring out now. You know, we're going back to value engineering, which is kind of thought to, to dumb down the house, but really you need to understand what the consumer is willing to pay for and what they're not willing to pay for. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that. And I think the industry got really lucky because it had been behind in terms of going digital, but in the last 12 months, it really got pretty darn good. And the way we sell homes going forward is going to change dramatically. It's, it's going to be a higher ROI on everything they're doing. How do you see it changing? Just virtual selling? ability to research and resource material? Like how do, you, how do you foresee it changing in the long run? Selling by appointment. I think there's seven or eight home builders that went public this cycle. One of them, their stock is at what, before all this was up 600% LGI and everybody else was flat or down. It's LGI sells by appointment. It's just such a more efficient way to sell than just to sit there in a model home from 10 to six and talk to people as they go through and, and hope they are interested in buying. And, you know, as you point out, people do their research online. So you, you go online to buy a house and you can go to a resale home and you can see the price. You can take a whole video tour. You totally get it. You know that you can probably close within 30 to 60 days. You go to a home builder website. It's a floor plan that says prices starting from X. You have no idea when it's going to be built. There's no address. They're now figuring out they need to be more like a, a resale home to give people clarity on what you're purchasing. And I think that's going to be really positive. I think about the convenience of communication too, John. Like if I'm a home builder, I've got to make it super easy for people to get answers to the questions that they have because, you know, right now in our quarantine, I can't leave my house. And so if you're making it difficult for people to get answers to their questions, if you're making it hard for you to find information, they're going to go elsewhere. And there's really only one place they can go and that's online. And the access to information is, you know, tremendous when it comes to researching online. You know, one thing we talk a lot about is how do we reduce friction in the buying cycle? I'd be really curious to know in your talks with builders, are there particular things that they're looking to change or looking for from manufacturers 
that they maybe haven't asked for that they're asking for right now because of COVID? So here's a great tip for manufacturers. So we stumbled upon this the last few years. We, we took over a company called Design Lens, which highlights the major design trends going on in the home building industry. And it was to help the home builders see what was going on around the rest of the country and, and to figure out good higher density designs primarily. But what happened is the building products clients really glommed onto it and say, wait a minute, you, you know the design trends, you, you know what's going on. You know what the architects are specking for the home that's going to get built next year. That level of communication between builders and building products companies does not exist because of all the middlemen. The level of communication is the builder's VP of purchasing and the building, building products sales guy beating each other up on price and rebates. There's no conversation about, hey, what's on your drawing boards for next year or the year after? Or what are you finding your consumers are willing to pay you more for so you're going to order more of? Like the purchasing guy may not even have been told. And then if the salesperson learns that, there's no place for him to communicate it. So I, it's a long-winded answer, I guess. But I think the big opportunity is more of an exec-to-exec -exec discussion that's not about prices and rebates, but it's about trends in the industry. Where are you taking your business? And the big give for the building products companies, and this is going to surprise them because it's stunned a lot of them. And some of my home builder clients aren't going to like this. Home builders do virtually no consumer research, virtually none. Wow. <laughs> Building products companies spend millions. And I know they don't want to share with their competitors, but if they could share it with the home builders, like here's our consumer research and here's what it's showing us about whatever our products are, the executives are really thirsty for that information. And then they'll share back with you, well, here's the trends we're seeing with our consumers. Here's what they like. It's a real give-give uh, situation that's not happening. And we started doing this at our design conference. I don't know next, if we're ever going to have a conference again, given what's going on in the world. But that level of engagement can really help everybody be smarter. Well, it's funny you say that because I was talking to Dean on your team earlier this week on your podcast, and he was like, what advice would you give to builders? And I was like, you got to get as close as you can to your suppliers and other partners in, in the space because the ability for you to adapt and pivot on where demand is and information, like you've got to shore up those relationships. And and what you're saying is it's almost the same thing. You're almost telling manufacturers that they have a lot of insight that builders really need to continue to stay competitive. They too. Their industrial designers should be talking to the CEO of the home builder. Mm -hmm. I mean, ask a building products company, how many home builders do you know? Like the CEO. Well, you know, maybe I see him once a year at the Harvard Joint Center and that's it. Why? <laughs> I mean, that's really your, your client. Oh, I even think like now's the greatest time for a manufacturer to create those relationships. Yes. Because a lot of people are either A, quarantined. Now, I know a lot of builders are considered essential businesses in certain states, so they're allowed to continue to produce, but they're not able to meet with as many people. And so their ability to meet with you is greater, you know? Right. And so I couldn't agree with you more, John. I mean, that's what we're doing a lot of. We're actually, if I, you can, you understand how builders make purchases. Can you call these builders for me? And I, I was like, sure, we know them all. And then we get under there and they're like, well, this one's decentralized. So their process in Phoenix is different than their one in Atlanta. And this one is centralized. And, you know, we can help a lot with that. And it's our, the, our clients that we interview are like, if we can give them some insight on what the building products companies are to, it's a total two-way street. And they, they love having those discussions. John, what I've really appreciated about this conversation so far is that, you know, you've been pretty candid on how good you think things are going to be and how bad <laughs> you think things are going to get. 
I always feel like, you know, in any recession or any kind of situation, there is an end, like there is an end ahead. But the question is, how do you navigate in the moment to get there? If you had any recommendations outside of, you know, I know you just mentioned, you know, getting as close to your partners and your supply chain as possible. What recommendations would you give anybody in the building products, building materials and construction space? What would you tell them? I mean, I would be hunkering down to get there and watching your cash. And then I would just be getting as close to your end user, like we're talking about right now, as you possibly can, which really isn't that much more than a one hour Zoom phone call, right? So yeah, it's true. It's not that much of an effort. Get really, really smart with the data. I mean, as we were talking earlier about what some of these companies like Home Depot have done, and I was actually with a with a client of mine yesterday on Zoom where they had completely torn apart the MLS and knew what was going on. And they were a, a fix and flip lender. How'd you like to be a fix and flip lender right now? Wow. But they knew everything that was going on in every neighborhood where they were lending and were acting much more quickly than their competitors because they were using data to make decisions. And that's one of the interesting things that's coming out of this is we're finding all sorts of online data tools we had no idea existed. You know, if you're making decisions more confidently because you've got good data to help you with that decision, that that, that would be my other recommendation is basically spend more money on data and analysis so you don't guess and guess wrong. Well, to your point about Home Depot, we have a number of clients we work with who sell in Home Depot. And like we're pushing a lot of either ads or content or marketing and awareness around those products just because Home Depot is killing it right now. And Lowe's. Like yeah. search demand across the board on those sites is like is up 20 plus percent depending upon product category. But if you didn't know that, if you didn't know the data, you go, oh, let's hoard, let's, you know, for lack of a term, let's freak out. <laughs> and there's actually, there's a lot of demand to be had right now. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to capitalize on. And they've invested in the ability to analyze what's going on in their own SKUs. So they, they can see at the end of every day and every single market exactly what's going on. Damn, I would love access to that. <laughs> oh, I think that this is great for, I know we talked about Amazon on, on your podcast, but like, Amazon, you know, competing with Lowe's and Home Depot, like this is frankly great for Lowe's and Home Depot, you know? Sure, because they're focused on this industry and Amazon's got every industry going mm -hmm. on. Yep. They got to deal with the delivery issue too, but I guess Home Depot and Lowe's are, are doing that, but they can have people show up at the stores and pick things up. That's easier. That's true. Well, John, this has been awesome. And I just really appreciate you taking time. I know you're slammed and busy right now because you're trying to help all of your clients and navigate the situation. If someone wants to connect with you or is interested in, in what John Burns Real Estate Consulting has to offer, what's the best way for them to connect? Well, our website is realestateconsulting.com and, and my email is jburns at realestateconsulting.com and, and Todd, who is our building products leader, is T Tomalak, T-O-M-A-L-A-K at realestateconsulting.com. That's great. I'll make sure we link to that in the show notes as well. Again, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikola. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.